I'm Kyle. And I'm Jason. And this is Monetize Media. On today's episode, we speak with Bobby Trossett, a former NFL pregame radio host who is striking out on his own with a podcast and YouTube channel. Bobby is making the difficult switch from mainstream media to the creator world with content focused on the Baltimore Ravens, Baltimore sports, and beyond. He has multiple podcasts, two YouTube channels, and is thinking about ways to grow his audience to other mediums. In just under nine months, he has amassed thousands of subscribers and tens of thousands of downloads. Yet the crushing doubt of building your own content business in a niche market hangs over his head daily. Listen now as Bobby walks us through how he made the switch from radio to podcasting and YouTube out of necessity, what he is doing to build and monetize his audience, and how the constant uncertainty of future success is with him. On to the interview. All right, want to welcome on Bobby Trossett, the former Ravens pre and post game radio host who is now out on his own with Ravens Vault podcast, YouTube channel, among other things covering Ravens football. Bobby, I know you're a listener. Welcome to the show. <laughs> That's right. Full circle experience here, right? We first connected over the summer and really enjoy what you and Jason have been building here. And I think you know, it was very foundational for me to have found the the pod at the time that I did. And we'll get into that in just a bit. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, you're welcome. And I'd say we, we haven't had like dozens of listeners reach out to us, but we've had handfuls. And I think you were the first or one of the first to really reach out and be like, hey, I listen to the show. I like, would love to connect, you know, like what you guys are doing. And then when we talked over the summer, you obviously you're doing stuff around football. I thought, hey, it would be good to have you on in the fall once the season's kind of underway and you've had a chance to kind of experience your first full season out on your own and and what that, you know, what that looks like. So give our audience your origin story and how you led up to being out on your own with Ravens Vault. Yeah, it's funny too. I got to apologize, right? We played a good little phone texting tag for a few weeks because of my schedule for the most part, including uh, a bi-week trip to to Europe where I sent you a nice little, I said, you know, I got to give him some love here because I've been dodging him hard. I got to give him an actual selfie video while climbing Mont Blanc in Switzerland. So I hope you appreciated that. But uh, actually it was in France. I sent it to Jason and some of our friends. I was like, I was like, look at the video I got from this guy. Well, I wanted to be as genuine as possible because I know I was a hard guy to reach that time of year. But I understand the football season grind is just different. So when bye week comes around, you gotta you gotta treat it as you know therapy. So I hopped on a plane and, and went and visited my younger brother abroad. But uh, that's a story for another time. So yeah, I, the majority of my twenties has been what a show it's been. You know, within the broadcasting industry. You know, it's been difficult. It's been grueling at times, but it's also been fulfilling. And I think the latter of those three feelings has been the last six or seven months. And that's when I went out on my own. So, you know, basically I got my my start working in NBC Sports Washington in DC for a couple of years, right after graduation. I went to school in Baltimore, went down to DC for a little less than two years, like I said. And I was just kind of cutting my teeth as a production assistant digital content, work my way into some on-camera opportunities. But it became clear to me that I needed to start to look elsewhere. I mean, I was caddying multiple days a week just to try and, you know, pay the rent. And, you know, a PA salary, as you guys probably know, is tough. But then when you go and live in a place like the nation's capital, it becomes even more difficult to live. So summer 2019, happened to be up for a job that threw my name in the hat for just because um, of some of my connections in the Baltimore area, having gone to school here. And that was the pre and post game show. Like you said, the, the pre and post anchor role for the Ravens radio team was lucky enough to earn that opportunity and spent a little less than three years there before I'm going to peel back the curtain. Like I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I was let go in March, kind of out of nowhere. I say out of nowhere at the same time, you know, I would be honest with you both in saying that I think there was just a, a differing vision in terms of what I thought the role, what we thought the role could be from a digital sense. And that's kind of how I landed out on my own. You know, I think I took the severance package. I ran and spent several months home in upstate New York trying to figure out, you know, what it was that I wanted to do next. Other radio opportunities came. I decided to respectfully pass them up. Some were in market, some were out of market. And it was solely out of, and this is kind of when I was started listening to the show, it was out of this desire 
to want to try it on my own and go with the way that content creation is changing, the way that content consumption is changing and the way that digital media is opening up so many doors for, I was going to say millennials, but really doesn't matter what age you are. You know, I think we, we all understand that there's such a market out there for all ages within this. And so while daunting and while certainly uh, terrifying, I decided to launch a media company, formed an LLC, uh, called it Trossit Media after my last name. And several things now, six, seven months later, are underneath that umbrella, including the Ravens Vault podcast. I have a co-host. She and I create daily content on all things Baltimore Ravens. She's uh, Sarah Ellison is her name. She's a former team employee at the Ravens based out of Columbus. I'm in Baltimore, so it's kind of cool that we don't necessarily have to be in the same market to have a good partnership. We also run, I should say, I also run two YouTube channels, one for the pod itself. So we, of course, have the audio-only version for folks that like Spotify and Apple and do that for their commute and all, wherever you get your shows. But as we learned in the early going, wow, like YouTube's a platform that is, it has too much potential to ignore. And while it's opened up a whole boatload of you know extra work for me as the editor uh, and also the co-host and the producer and the scriptwriter and all that good stuff, right, to us when we look at the growth, and when we specifically look at the consumers and how they're literally discovering us YouTube, like they're not in the Baltimore area. We all know there's football fans all over the country. I mean, we have Ravens fans that are overseas. And when we started to see that, that they had never heard of us, and each one of us, Sarah and I both had good Ravens followings on social media before we launched this pod. When we started to see that, it became apparent that it needed to become a daily task of ours, a daily priority of ours to grow on YouTube. So anyway, I'm rambling a little bit here. I run two YouTube channels, one for the pod, one for me personally, where I go Baltimore sports and beyond, beyond being kind of the key word there. If I want to expand one day, it's a busy life. It's a lot of fun. I'm trying to figure it all out on the fly. I'm not where I want to be yet, but uh, that's what's going on. So, all right, that's a really good overview. And I definitely want to dig into the YouTube effects on the podcast itself as like top of funnel marketing just for the show. So I want to dig into that. Backtrack for a second. The last guest we had, you was the former pre and post game show host on the radio for the Eagles unintentionally, who's out doing his own content agency now. So maybe next time we get the Giants or Cowboys pre and post show <laughs> and they're doing their own thing. All right. So... You're in radio. Let's go back to the beginning a little bit. We don't need to spend too much time here, but I want to kind of get to the how you got out on your own. So you're in radio. You had that PA salary. I've been there. I used to intern at Comcast Sportsnet way back in the day. And I saw what the PAs were making, and I was an intern making nothing. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do that job. You know, the hours suck. The pay sucks. Like, and one, you know, one of these hundred people will wind up on TV with a decent salary, and everybody else will have hours and pay that suck. So you're in that industry, you get into sports talk radio, you get a pretty good job in it doing pre and post for an NFL team in a, in a decent sized market. So what's going through your head when, you know, cuts are happening off and on throughout media over the last few years and probably accelerating this year with the economy. What's going through your head at that moment? Because I've talked to a number of people here in Philly who've been on the radio and have been let go over the last six to 12 months and they don't know what to do. You know, and they're tinkering with, you know, doing their own thing, but there's just so many of them that like it's it's all watered down. You seem to be relatively decisive about that. So kind of talk about your thought process when you're like, I'm gonna go create my own thing. And then what were you thinking about how you were gonna make it work? Yeah, first and foremost, right? I, I may come across as decisive here six, seven months removed, right? But in those moments, man, oh, they were gut wrenching. It's terrifying. It really is. And, you know, I am someone who certainly views money as something that doesn't necessarily grow on trees. We're from a very modest background. I'm, I'm the oldest of four. We were all lucky enough to you know, live a great life. And as I travel more and more, I realize that I've, I've lived an incredibly fortunate life. But at the same time, I have my own insecurities for sure when it comes to the financial side of, of life. And so that was hard to come to terms with that I was essentially going to turn down these these opportunities to okay, stay consistent with where I was in terms of earning dollars and, and just title and, and overall resume stuff. But that to me, like I just came to this, this realization that 
that would have been a stagnant move. And I think listening to the pod that you guys had had just started to kind of tackle and, and put together and some of the guests that you would have on, I'd also put the YouTube Creators Hub podcast in on that as well. I think I've had a lot of um, soul searching moments while listening to them as well. Rusty, I believe is the host. That combined with just this desire and inner belief pushed me across the finish line. I owe my mom a ton of forever indebted to my mother. She is out on her own as well as a website designer and overall internet marketer. And she was in my ear. You know, she was careful about it because she's not as well versed, obviously, in broadcasting as I am in terms of the experience level and the understanding of, you know, what it takes and market sizes and, and whatnot. But she was definitely in my ear about saying, hey, listen, there's a time in your life where you should be comfortable with betting on yourself. It's right now. No mortgage, no kids, no debt. It's now. And so, while I'm coming across as that I'm confident with it and I'm at peace with it, I'm not going to sit here and bullshit you guys. Like it's still every day is a challenge right now within the first year. And I have a lot of insecurities that I'm tackling, but there are moments, there are pockets of every single week where I know I'm doing this and it's the right thing. And, and I'm absolutely meant to be where I am right now. And one of them, as we tape this here, uh, on the 6th of December, was just a couple days ago, we were at Pickett Brewing Company, brand new establishment right outside M&T Bank Stadium, for those of you who are familiar with the Baltimore area. Ravens were playing the Broncos, and I went live and on on-site appearance, live from this brewery from 10 to noon, almost right up until kickoff. The amount of people that were funneling in and out of there, the energy in there, that reignited something from within. And when you're the pre and post for the Ravens for three years, you're used to that energy on game day. You're around the stadium. You're around the locker room. You're interacting with fans. And the last seven months, I've been very isolated. Content creation can be isolating. It can be lonely. It can be, You're out on your own, literally, figuratively, all that. And what I realized about this past Sunday was that I got to find a way to get back to being interactive on game day, to being visible and increasing my exposure on game day. And so right before we taping this, I was actually on the phone chatting back and forth with the owner of the brewery to see how she felt it went. It was very much an experimental run. I thought it went well, and uh, I thought she did too. So maybe that ends up being you know a long-term thing. She wanted to know about Orioles opening day, for example, for outside of football season. So maybe I start to, remember I told you earlier on, Baltimore sports and beyond, is my tagline. Now, I'm not going to go with that on the Ravens Vault podcast because that's that'd be a disservice to our listeners who are just signing up for football-only stuff content-wise. But for my YouTube channel, for my Facebook page, for all of these things that I can go, I can simulcast on via StreamYard, I'm open to all of that. So again, kind of taking this in a number of different directions, but the moral of the story is there are certainly pockets where I start to believe, but there's more... <laughs> Some of those darker days are the ones that you just kind of got to grind through and overcome in order to, to continue to keep your vision uh, on the long term rather than some of these short-term struggles that you deal with within your first year. The entrepreneurial grind never ends. I mean, even for Kyle and I, we were able to have a successful exit before this. But now when we begin a new venture, whether it's monetized media or raising stake, those issues never seem to go away. We have days where we are just hitting our heads against the wall, trying to think about, well, we, we were going to do this. We were going to do that. This hasn't gone the way we thought it was going to go. Yesterday. To your point. Yeah, like yesterday. But to your point, Bobby, like this morning, we had a couple of good things show up on the screen. And it it's what you need to help you continue on the journey. You know, And like I said, it does not matter what you've done beforehand. If you are a determined person, who is trying to succeed at something, it is only what is in front of you and the goals you are trying to get to that matter. And however you got to energize yourself to keep that going. I think for our listeners out there, they probably really appreciate your, your honesty there and transparency because we have had many guests and we, we asked them a lot of times, you know, tell us that point in time in your journey where you were like, screw it, it's over. Like, I'm done. Like, I'm not gonna be able to do this, but then something happens to ignite you. 
you know, and I'm not saying you were at that point on Sunday, but your transparency of what you're talking about is that like, it doesn't matter how negative or how hard the grind is. You're not stopping. It's crazy that we're talking about this right now. And I know I led us in this direction because it's just this week, you know, this week's been difficult. It just has, you're starting to think about some of the expenses, right? Coming up with, with Christmas, having a big family. You're in literally month seven. I'm talking about me. Month seven of starting out. And it's just, it's daunting. You know, and, and somebody said the other day, like, of course, feedbacks come in all different directions. Family, friends, random people who follow me, trolls online. Gotta love them. Thank you, trolls. You keep me going every day. Um, but anybody who follows me on Instagram too, I have a good fun. I have, a, I have this little Instagram story. What's become, I guess, a little bit of a bit. Facebook comment sections obviously are one of the, uh, you talk about dark, deep holes. That's what it is. And, and people are just, you go to a Facebook comment section to die if you're a content creator. You cannot live and die by the uh, by the comment section. But I've had some fun just kind of calling out some trolls on my Instagram story. Maybe you guys can check it out later. But if you, real quick, before you move on from that. So that happened to me. I mean, I had a site, tons of comments. We had a comment section. It was it was really nasty towards like everyone in Philly, you know, and particularly me because I was running the site. But, you know, I got good advice a long time ago. And it's like, if you have, occasionally, if you do something wrong or that sucks, like there will be a critical mass of people who will point that out. So like, I don't entirely always just ignore the comments or the trolls because they will keep you honest. But I would say 90 plus percent of it, particularly when you see a person or an account that just shows up every day and they're just going to hate, you could turn out like Pulitzer Prize winning material or the best radio segment of all time, the best podcast, and they're still going to hate on it. When you've reached a level where you're beginning to notice people trolls, like you're actually doing something right. Because it means that one, you live in their head, to, you know, so you've won. But two, there's usually enough people consuming your content. And with anything, you know, you could choose the greatest artist, like musical artist, whatever it is, great, it's TV show, you're going to find people who hate it. So I always say like, if you see trolls and see more people, that's a huge positive indication that you're like, you're cutting through something and that you have an opinion and a voice. And it's not, it's not vanilla enough that someone actually cares to troll you. So consider that like a big win. You're jogging my memory from one of your early episodes. I can almost remember you saying something similar about your, your days in the Philly content creation world. But, uh, I just pulled up my story from earlier. Just this is fresh in my mind. Literally like an hour, like less than an hour before we started taping this, I put up a screenshot of basically there's all kinds of drama. I'm, I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit hole here, but we all know as football fans, coordinators tend to be defensive and offensive coordinators tend to be easy targets for fan bases, for trolls, and they get ripped for everything they do. That's just how it is. That's life in the NFL. Well, I've made a couple of hot takes this week on on uh, Ravens offensive coordinator Greg Roman and how I feel that a good portion of the fan base is dragging him unjustifiably so, right? So some guy on Facebook, and, and by the way, I walked myself a little bit within the last 24 hours after Harbaugh got up and basically ripped his coordinator indirectly as well after I defended him the day prior. So I walked myself back a little bit, held myself a little bit accountable, right? We put up a video today on YouTube that was essentially John Harbaugh calls out Greg Roman's play calling. So just keep that in mind. This guy writes on my Facebook post this morning, going back and forth with another guy. They're both just getting after me. He tags the guy that's coming after me as well. Ben, his name is. David and Ben. Bobby continues to expose his youth and ignorance. I was throwing money his way for a while, but now I'm just reading his posts for entertainment. Ben's going off about God knows what. I come in and say, David. See, that hurts because he tells you who used yeah. to support you too. That cuts through. Yeah. So I said, you know what? what? Let, me, let me have a little bit of fun with this guy. I'm going to kill him with kindness, which I don't always do. And if I don't always do that, it's going on in the DM so nobody sees it. But I said, David, let's do lunch soon. Ben can come too. Right? Underneath that, David writes back and says, absolutely. And I'll treat. Right? Below that, Ben says, I'm down. Let's do lunch at Subway in, in Morrill Park. Now, okay, Subway. We're not going to Subway. But my point is, and I put up a ludicrous song, Get Back, Get Back, Get Back, You Don't Know Me Like That, in my Instagram story, with the caption, how quickly they changed their tune, right? I mean, come on. What are we doing here? When people have to show up in front of you, you know, it turns out like they're probably geeked out. Like, you know, I consume all this guy's stuff. 
and now he wants to have lunch with me. Like, you know, and then they'll be nice, you know, and then they'll be nice. And they're probably flattered that you, you even thought, you know, that you were even halfway serious if you were. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Where that person tells you used to support you, though, that does sting, though, because that's like, oh, I lost someone. I lost them somewhere along the way. Get in your head. I bring it up because, you know, it's something that, to your point, Kyle, it does mean that you're gaining traction. It does mean you have a voice and all that stuff, but you can't allow it to consume you. I think that's why we see a lot of professional athletes who filter their comments on Instagram now, for example, or on Twitter. You can't respond to their tweet. Because you are, sometimes you become what you consume. And I've been trying to be mindful of that lately. There's an instant credibility to coming in there and making a comment. You know, I mean, if someone were to make a comment about one of our shows that was negative, and then we were to come in and speak to that, I think people respect the fact that, you know, you're willing to kind of face your quote critics or trolls or whatever. And I think there is some respect to that, to that nature. And we all know it can go a lot more the other way. I'm not surprised to hear how they reacted. And kudos to you for handling it the way you did. All right. So you talked a lot about, you know, how much struggles the right word, but you know, how difficult it can be, particularly when, you know, this is your livelihood and you're coming to the holidays and everyone has more expenses in December. So I guess I'll give a brief overview of, I think the businesses, so feel free to correct me. So you have, let's say Raven's Vault is probably the tent pole, I, I assume, brand under that when it's a podcast, YouTube series, about the Ravens. And you're doing, I love what you're doing. You have instant reaction to games. You're doing, I believe you do uh, events on Wednesday nights, right? At a bar. So you have that in-person component, which you just talked about from this past weekend. But from a business standpoint, you know, you have to monetize this in some way. So when you set this up, what are you trying to do? What has worked and what has not so far? Understanding you're only really two and a half, three months into your first football season out on your own here. Yeah. So like you said, you kind of hit on a couple different revenue earning areas within the umbrella. So, you know, at the top of the umbrella, I guess, is Trossett Media. That's that's my company. And then underneath there, the, the first branch is the Ravens Vault podcast. So we signed on with a company called Blue Wire. They're based out of LA. They are basically just a podcast distribution company run by a young dude named Kevin Jones. Nice guy. I met him at a conference ironically, the same month that I would be let go, didn't know at the time, in New York last March, he was my first call after. You know, I just felt like I was inspired by the few minutes that we, we shared together during the conference, knew that he was sort of still believing in local. Like I said earlier, it's not that we're a local podcast. I'd like to think that we're talking about a local issue in terms of the Ravens team itself, but based on the demographic and based on the, the back end of our analytics, listeners are tuning in from, you know, all over the country, in some cases, the world. So we hope that we're, you know, expanding on that every single day. We earn based on the amount of downloads that we bring in per month. CPM is what the phrase is. We earn a, a certain percentage of revenue from Blue Wire. And basically, it's, it's all about the ads that they play in our shows, right? Based on how many listeners we're bringing in as a result. Aside from that, the Vault podcast is also now on YouTube, like I mentioned, and that's what's exciting. That's most exciting by far, because what we're seeing right now, literally in just our second month as a monetized YouTube channel, from a Google AdSense revenue standpoint, is very encouraging. It, again, can't live off of it right now, but it is, some, especially with two people being split in half, but we're seeing the trajectory of that. We're seeing how creating daily content, having sharp thumbnails, catchy titles, the proper tags, all that good stuff on the back end of YouTube that if you're a creator, you know, means everything. We're seeing the growth. Go ahead, Kyle. What's the balance of uh, of revenue look like YouTube compared to the Blue Wire uh, CPM ads now? And then from your standpoint, and you, I kind of alluded to this earlier, how much do you view YouTube as its own channel? So you guys can, you know, not only grow audience, but make ad dollars through ads on YouTube or as almost promotion for the podcast, because people will discover it. You're going to get a lot more people discovered on YouTube. It's just easier. It's more natural discovery platform. And then those people will eventually subscribe to the podcast. Like how, how do you kind of think about where that fits in strategically? Or is it both? You know, you mon obviously monetize both and push one from vice versa to the other. Yeah. Yeah. You're bringing me down like the whole long-term vision idea right now. And I really think it should be based on model. Okay. For one example, like pro football talk by Mike Florio, 
obviously he's grown into just a absolute empire, you know, powerhouse. They do their shows. I think it's on like NBC and not on Peacock and all these places, but they rip the audio from those shows that first live in live format and then throw it into podcast form. Like I've been talking to Sarah and I'm like, I know our, our bread and butter is the morning vault where you get the most important Ravens news in 15 minutes. That's our tagline. Monday through Friday at 5 a.m., you can expect a 15 to 20 minute show that's not live. It's pre recorded the night before. We're not up at five. All right. That, that was my radio days. As a morning radio guy, that's what time you're in the studio. Like, not wake up call. Wake up call is like four. You're in the studio at five. So those days are over. I promise you that, fellas. I tried a three times a week Philly podcast at 6 a.m. live. And our last show was the day after the Super Bowl. We're like, we're going out on top. Can't do this anymore. We did it for like a year and a half. It's impossible. So those days are over. But that's what we also know that there is a tremendous amount of interest and opportunity at that time in the day with the, the average commuter or average fitness goer who's on the treadmill. So that's our bread and butter. So don't get me wrong. When I say that I hope our future consists of a daily show that is live on YouTube that's then redistributed to an audio-only podcast, and we're making revenue from Blue Wire off of the ads based on the listeners that we bring in, also through Google AdSense, and we haven't even talked about advertising. Why don't we bring that up in a little bit? Because I feel like that's a different part of the conversation and certainly a growth opportunity for us that we have not hit are anywhere close to our ceiling on. But I like that idea. What I need to figure out is if we're growing this listenership based on the sole fact that our calling card is a 15-minute daily show that's pre-recorded and ready to go at 5 a.m., well, that's different than a daily live show on YouTube, and it's going to be a different format. So while people are signing up for us and our personalities and our consistency and our reliability... I also want to be mindful. They could be signing up for the, the way we're currently structured. And if we were to change that, we'd have to be really mindful about doing so. So again, to answer your question, we have uh, the, the balance. Just a minute ago, you asked about the balance between revenue distribution of the Blue Wire system that we're on under the CPM basis and the Google AdSense on YouTube. YouTube is starting to take over. And so that's like, and again, Neither one of these numbers, neither one of these, these, these revenue distributions, are, we're able to live off of them yet. But we see, we see the trajectory of them. We see the way YouTube is growing specifically. And maybe now we get into advertising because we barely even scratched the surface on potential sponsorship. We have one right now. Again, this is aside from Blue Wire. Blue Wire handles a lot of their own ads that they have as pre and post rolls. So at the beginning and the end of our episodes, they have 60 seconds of their own advertisements playing that they've, they've cultivated those relationships, they've inked those deals, and we're earning a certain percentage of revenue off of how many people we get to listen to them. But the deal that we signed is at any given point, we can bring in our own. And there is no split. We're not splitting with anybody besides ourselves. So that's really encouraging. We just haven't had a ton of success. And it's simply because of one, how new we are. And two, she's a mother of four and I'm running a business. And it's really hard to, and I'm a dog dad who you, hopefully you don't hear her throughout this show. Before we went on, you heard her, of course. Tilly's like my row home in Fells. You got somebody walking by and she's ready to eat them. But life's busy. You guys get it. Life's busy. Well, I want to call out, so the, the ad network, both YouTube is effectively an ad network and Blue Wire. So I think it's important for, for all listeners to kind of get the distinction because what you're going to talk about advertising and selling ads to local businesses, which could be more profitable. It's more work. But that consistent ad revenue is really tied to the number of ear holes you get the podcast in or eyeballs that YouTube channels on. And I imagine you find it pretty consistent. Like if you get 10,000 listens or 10,000 views, you could probably back the napkin what, what your revenue will be on that or within a margin of error. And because you got these big networks that are outselling, they do a pretty good job of filling the inventory. And you know, if you could drive traffic, you can get X. And, you know, I used to be part of the USA Today ad network for sports blogs. And it was the same thing. Like, you know, we were, it's like $4,000 a month, like regimented, right? But over time, it's like, you can't, live on it necessarily, you know, long-term. 
it's not like it's never going to be the big driver, but it's steady. It's like the steady foundation of at least you're covering the site costs and then some each month. Like, do you find a, that it's consistent, but then I also, you know, I want to hear you talk about the advertising because that's where you get these big peaks, but you also have to service clients and things like that. Well, first and foremost, it's certainly not consistent, but I don't know if I can accurately answer that until we go through this a full year, meaning until we have a full NFL offseason under our belts, where obviously engagement will take a hit at points, at pockets, at weeks throughout that, you know, aside from the draft, aside from free agency, aside from emergency stuff, like, yeah, that there will be times where I'm sure there will be significant hits. What I can tell you is because I run two YouTube channels, and I barely even mentioned this yet, aside from the Ravens Vault podcast, I have my personal YouTube channel where I went back to earlier on in this this recording. I essentially told you my tagline is Baltimore Sports and Beyond. What I've noticed is because I'm one man banding essentially the podcast, that's not to take away from what does it all. She's an incredible talent. She's a great writer. And we tag team this thing together. But I edit, I create thumbnails, I bring it to YouTube, I distribute it to social media, I get, you know, all those back end things that are time consuming, I do. And what I found is that I just don't have the time and energy to create daily content on my channel, because of how much is going into the podcast right now. So I had my best month, my first, if we're being real, my first four figure month, and again, I launched this thing in, I guess, like March-ish with my YouTube channel. I had my first four-figure monetized month in September, the first month of the football season on my personal one. This is aside from the podcast. And that was not creating daily content, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought to myself, wow, this is going to be an amazing football season. I'm going to have my personal YouTube channel, you know, bringing in a couple thousand bucks by the end of it. And that's not even, we haven't even talked about the podcast yet. And we haven't even talked about advertising opportunities. And we haven't even talked about the live streaming stuff that we do on site. Well, then I realized that I just, I don't have enough time. I haven't made enough time. I hate the whole, like, I don't have enough time. I haven't made enough time because of a number of different factors, life, energy, balance, all that stuff. And so that's been a hard realization. And I've had to go back to the drawing board in terms of, okay, maybe I shouldn't be renting this studio space, which is essentially a second rent in Harbor East with its walk from Fells Point, if you're familiar with the area. Maybe I should instead talk to my sister and her friend who live in the unit next door who just lost their roommate to a move. And maybe I should take that room instead, cost cut me, cost cut their monthly rent and make my own makeshift studio in there. That's what I'm doing starting February 1st for one example. But Smart. It's just, and these are what we go back to earlier on, right? It's just, there's, these are the challenges that in the early going that I'm facing. So to get to the advertising side of things, if we figure this out and we come up with a concrete plan this off season, meaning as soon as the Raven season's over and we're able to cash in on ad dollars, next time I come on this pod, which hopefully I'm invited back, it's going to be a completely different conversation. I'm going to be feeling so much more comfortable and secure than I am right now. Because I know, I know for damn sure that we are capable right now of being an attractive potential candidate for ad dollars. We have the downloads from an audio only standpoint to prove it. We have the trajectory of where we're growing on YouTube over a 28 day period on average to show to these potential sponsorships. It's just a matter of, we don't have a concrete plan we don't have a business coach with us or we don't have somebody selling for us and we have to beginning this off season find the time whether it's at midnight 6 a.m or wherever in between to figure it out because when we do i'm gonna really start believing bobby do you have uh press credentials for the ravens interesting question there because when i was let go in march i was let go from the radio's I'm sorry, from the team's flagship radio partner. So there's a bunch of relationships there. They have revoked my access as of now, which is now almost a full season, simply due to us not being an established presence. That's essentially paraphrasing what we were told. And I have a lot of respect for the PR people there. And I have relationships there. But that's the bottom line. They just They have revoked access because of, one, it's probably awkward, because of their relationship with my former employer, everybody knew what happened in terms of the dismissal. And two, 
because we're not a proven entity, which, hey, that motivates me. Bulletin board material we talk about in sports all the time, right? When, when somebody gives uh, another team an incentive after, out of trash talk or whatever, that's my bulletin board material because you, you better believe that I have every vision for this to be the number one destination for Ravens fans, whether you're in market or out of market. So it hurts. I want to be involved more. I'd like to be at the press conferences asking those questions. But the encouraging part is that you don't need access to do what we're doing, you know, especially when you have the experience that Sarah and I are lucky to have under our belt. She was with the team for 13 years. And I was, I mean, obviously nowhere near that amount of time with the radio station, but, you know, three years under my belt. We've both asked those tough questions. We both have relationships in-house for the Ravens. And, and we, we both realize that, yeah, in today's world, we don't need to be at one winning drive. We don't need to be inside those walls. And I think that's, it's encouraging. There's this weird thing that comes with credentials in sports too. I don't want to say it forces you to censor what you say, because I think people that are good are willing to say what they say and show up in front of an athlete. But it does allow you to be more free. So when you're not there, you don't have to go sit in front of the coach and the athlete. You could offer up your real opinion and not worry about, Hey, you know, what's going to happen the next day. And like, that might seem like a, you know, chicken shit way of doing it. But I was just listening to a, an interview with uh, Angelo Cataldi, who was like the OG of sports talk radio here in Philly and almost helped create, established a local radio medium. And he's retiring at the end of the year. And he talked about how he used to write for the Philadelphia Inquirer and he would pull punches because he knew he had to go show up and stand in the Phillies clubhouse in the 1980s and things like that. And then he was able to go on the radio and say whatever he wants, say what he really felt. And he didn't have to worry about hearing it from from the owner, you know, or the or the coach or the manager or whatever it is. And, you know, there's that part of it. But to your point, there's that other side of it, which is. Well, you don't feel legitimate, particularly in sports, if you can't be there with all the other writers, even though I, I would argue you could be more efficient, you know, and I'll go back to like that competitive thing, you know, 10 years ago, we had it like we couldn't get the Phillies to respond to us on our, our site crossing broad. And then our last, you know, me and Jason's last weeks with the site and the company that bought it in October you know, our writer was at the World Series, you know, with a credential for the site. And, you know, it took 10 years. And I don't think, you know, that takes that long anymore because I think teams recognize, you know, that, that independent media is a thing, but it eventually gets there. You just have to bring that critical mass of audience. And my guess is by next year, you guys are probably, you know, bringing some of the biggest podcasts, if not the biggest, and probably the biggest YouTube following of Ravens fans. And, you know, that's really tough for any public relations department in 2022 or 2023 to just say, ah, no, we, we don't take that seriously. Like, you'd have to be really stupid not to. Tell you what, too, you really want me to peel back the curtain in terms of why maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe we aren't getting, you know, the, the preferential treatment or at least even invited in those doors. Well, first and foremost, Sarah's in Columbus, so it's only going to be me. You know, I'm in Baltimore, she's in Ohio. So that's just that's just the reality of it. But within the first month of existence with the pod, their legal team started to come down on us with the name of our podcast. And next thing you know, we're going back and forth with them talking about how in their estimation, they felt that our podcast name was creating market confusion within the marketplace. I find that to be absolute nonsense, <laughs> okay, because literally our subtitle says a podcast unaffiliated with the team. It's still Raven's Vault, so what happened? Like, that's a ballsy fight to take on that early. It's We're going to have to adjust it, I believe. It's sort of in the – I don't want to go too deep into this because it's not exactly – it's ongoing, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't get yourself in the hot water. I'll just say this. We're going to take it as a compliment. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To bring the credential question full circle, the point I was wondering is, could you become the people's voice of the Ravens, you know, potentially going out to tailgates or have, you know, recording that, getting the opinion, getting all of the negative opinions on an offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, live streaming, that kind of thing. That's a popular take. I mean, it's a ballsy thing to do and you know, not everyone would be comfortable doing that, but I can see that getting a lot of eyeballs and, and you know getting the people listening because it, it has a different view on it than the pre and post game feel analysis. It's a little a little more like you know Bills fans jumping on tables kind of feel. You know that's kind of where I was thinking to what you guys had alluded to. It gives you that freedom, but you're also potentially sacrificing the future credentials by being so critical. I've enjoyed 
sort of my transition from formal broadcaster who has all of these different structural priorities within a broadcast from the programming director, you know, it, it lacks substance at times. And I think there's been this coming out party for me when it comes to being informal, having fun, criticizing when you feel is necessary, revealing different parts of your life that maybe you wanted to keep away from whoever was at your former employer that's that's looking on. You're right. It's There's this freedom that's come along with it that I've enjoyed. And in terms of getting out there into the fan base, I think I go back to the game day pregame show that we did this past Sunday. I saw a vision. I felt a vision a couple of days ago where I was like, whoa, what if this could grow into, because of the proximity to the stadium, because of how many parking spots are around it, because of almost having to walk by it or near it in order to get to the stadium, what if this were to become like the pregame show destination? It's got everything you need, food trucks, IPAs, on tap, all this stuff. And we're off to the side and above us is a projector of our stream. And so while we haven't figured out how to pipe in my stream audio so that it's real time for everybody listening in there, right? So like we were off to the side and there was probably a hundred people in there so you could barely hear anything, but we weren't matched up sync wise to the stream. So the stream was just piping in what, maybe like a 10 second delay or so. And then we were underneath the projector with noise canceling headphones on just going through the stream, whatever. So we have some like logistical stuff to figure out, but I had a vision. I'm like, wow, this is what's going to re-energize me. This is what's going to boost exposure. This is what's going to get me out to the fans. Maybe we get a fan in, you know, we, for the fan perspective. Maybe we have a former player drop by the stream to to generate some interest and buzz. So, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a reawakening. So from the uh, from the business opportunity standpoint, what do you see? So you got this sort of you know this baseline of the CPM ads and the YouTube ads, which it sounds like I'm actually surprised here isn't more consistent like on a per view or listen basis. And maybe that's, you know, maybe that's a little bit the economy. You know, sometimes those things is where you feel the economy the most because they don't get those big brand sponsors that are just giving YouTube, you know, a million dollars to spread across a, a bunch of shows of, you know, people that are interested in football or whatever. But, you know, you have that, you talked about advertising, how you just have to go out and do it, right? And, you know, part of that might be these events you talk about where you can have, you could show a sports bar or a restaurant, you could bring 50, 100, 200 people out, and then they're more likely to pay for it because they see the results right there in front of them. They have people in the bar, they're ordering stuff, they come back. What else do you see as the opportunities? Like from my view, you know, there's events, you know, you can maybe do road trips, you could do apparel. I know you have a Patreon, you know, maybe talk about that a little bit. And then at the end, have you done anything yet? Sports betting has recently legalized in Maryland, online sports betting. From our experience, you know, that's a pretty big revenue driver. Have you done anything there or thought about that, you know, maybe even into next season? Yeah, pretty wild sports gambling thing. I get asked this all the time. and I realize and recognize and, and see how many dollars are being thrown around within that space right now. It's insane. It's not going away. To be fully transparent, uh, gambling has, I would say, it was the reason that my parents' marriage came to an end. And it's been, it's been a major, major derailing thing for my family within the, what's the right way to say it, as a genetic sort of issue. It's, it's been an issue. And I'm not talking about for me personally, but there has been an addiction gene with that in my family that has impacted us in a variety of ways that's led to some of those insecurities that I mentioned earlier on in the show. And so out of respect to that, I've decided not to pursue opportunities which would essentially propel that space. It's hard because they reach out to us all the time. And you talk about, you know, challenges that you face internally. When you have money being thrown at you that you've morally decided you're not going to accept but these other advertising opportunities are slow and dried up. That is one of the single most difficult challenges so far. Trying to deal with the potential of, you know, 
that has been a major, major conflict. I'm sure you can hear it in my voice, see it, see it in my face that I haven't even come to terms with that yet. It's so hard. I just try to brush it off and focus on other opportunities, focus on other industries that are interested in us. But because of how slow the advertising section has been for us, yeah, it's, it's a difficult pill to swallow. That's a tough one. And I get it. And I think you, you should be applauded for sticking to your guns there. Cause I, you know, we've seen what it's like in a market that's legal and that the ads I'm sure are everywhere. And you're probably seeing it thinking, Oh geez, like, you know, this, this wouldn't be my, this wouldn't be a way to get some income, but that's credit to you for sticking to your guns. Let me give a thought on this one. I applaud you totally. I get that gene in my family too, as well. Believe me, could be a Craig Carton type of approach for you, you know, responsible gambling. You know, where, you know, you take some money, but these companies need to show that they give a shit about responsible gambling. And being that side of the, the fence, that voice for that, I'm just, I, you know, you could kind of play both sides where you're, you're helping yourself and your family, but you also are still voicing the responsibility of things. You know, just if you were still sitting on the fence of that, for that morality, I, I could see that potentially helping, but no matter what, that's just me being like a, a money guy. Believe me. I'll leave it at that. I, I, Believe me, I've had those thoughts. And uh, to kind of get back to you know Kyle's initial question of what's still yet to be kind of um, capitalized on, I think in an ideal case scenario, we're already at a point where we have multiple streams of income. We're not living off of them yet. When we bring in the ad dollars, they can come from so many different outlets, right? We can have one structured system where we're bringing in YouTube sponsors solely on YouTube who want, whether it's affiliate links, whether that is 60 second live reads, whether that's logos popping up, you know where, that to me is one, one section. And, and that has a, that might be the biggest potential out of all of them. We have one right now, it's Freshly, the meal prep company but we're in an experimental phase with them. They're not locked in with us long-term. We're not locked in with them long-term. We'd like to be. We'll see if they, you know, after this phase, we'll see if they buy in. After that, sticking with YouTube, Kyle, you mentioned Patreon. I literally have barely dabbled in it. I think I get sent about 50 bucks a month from some, a couple centers. I have not put a ton of time into it. I have not um, allowed myself to truly come up with a concrete plan that works. So add that to the off-season checklist. That's YouTube right there. Then you have the audio-only version where, okay, we're bringing in anywhere between, let's say, fifty and 60,000 downloads per month to our audio-only shows uh, via the platform that we use called Megaphone. We know that there are, whether it's local, regional, national, whatever, there are companies that are willing to pay for 60-second ads for that kind of traction for that kind of audience. We just haven't found them yet. And so it's, it just feels like it's a missed opportunity right now, you know, but we're so focused on building this, this foundational layer of our show. And for me, my, my company, that it's almost like that's on the back burner. And I know maybe, you know, Jason, your money guy, you're probably thinking to yourself, whoa, take that off the back burner because you're going to allow yourself to sleep at night. If, that starts chugging along and I'm with you. That is off season priority number one. I've said it 15 times already on the show, but that is, can't emphasize that enough. We literally have that same conversation here in the office You know, last week. I hear what you're saying, which is I'm just focused on content, particularly in football season. Like you can't come up for air. And I, I think I said the exact phrase to Jason, like last Monday, I was like, it's a different part of the brain. And right now we're launching this new brand raising stake and we had this exact conversation about like, you have to turn towards the monetization side of it. And, you know, Jason, you know, he's, you're pushing me in that direction. And I'm saying back like, yeah, but we have to get, we have to build the audience up to a critical mass. And there are two different parts of the brain, different workflows. And when you sit down and you put yourself in that content mindset, eight to 10 hours can go by like that, as you know. And the next thing you know, it's, you know, six o'clock and, you know, neither of us have the luxury anymore of having the evenings, you know, we both have wives and kids and, you know, you, you kind of got to tap off the clock, but that's, you know, to your point, the monetization sometimes comes second as you're building up that critical mass of people, but at the same time you need to bring in income. So it's not a, frankly, it's not an enviable position, 
you know, when you have to decide between one or the other, because they're both equally important, one feeds the other. I mean, you got some, those are impressive numbers and you'll we'll probably have an easier time after the season. Cause I think businesses really like, you know, when they're investing in football, you know, they're looking in, in July and August, like, Hey, where are we spending our dollars around Ravens football or the NFL this year? It's tough to get that in December as the season's, uh, you know, unless you're the Eagles and you're 11 and one and you might be playing for another two months and everyone's to hop on the Super Bowl train, but that's a different, different conversation. For real. When we're looking at a, they're unbelievable right now, by the way. And you guys both know that. You want to know it around here. Sports Talk finds all the holes. They find all the warts. Of course, right? Baltimore's eight and four and the sky's falling down south here. So that's just classic. But they're atop the division too. But I think um, in an ideal case scenario, at some point within the next year, we have a successfully driven audio only podcast that is earning revenue dollars through Blue Wire and our CPM that we agreed on, along with hopefully two different podcasting sponsors that pay us monthly ad revenue in exchange for 60-second ads that run on our channel. We, we do about 30 to 35 episodes per month. We'll split that right down the middle, and hopefully two advertisers will come in and get, like let's say, 15 episodes for maybe two 60-second spots throughout each episode. That's that. Aside from that, then you go over to the YouTube. I already outlined that. We have hopefully sponsors, affiliate links. We got Google AdSense that's consistent and hopefully long-term sponsors that are, are believing in us based on you know what we've grown at that point. By the way, we just launched the YouTube channel. We're coming up on 3,000 subscriptions. My personal one, I launched it in March. It's coming up on 8,000 subscriptions. So we're it's steady. It's slow and steady. Aside from that, does Patreon continue to grow? Hopefully, if I put the time into doing that this offseason and coming up with a concrete plan. And we haven't even talked about the live events yet. So I'm sure I'm missing a couple different things, but that is what's underneath the umbrella. And it's encouraging, but it's not all come together yet. And that's where we stand. You would, uh, we started before we hit record. I just want to talk about tools. I know we're kind of at time here, but you said, so we're using Riverside to record the podcast. Pretty popular right now. It seems a lot of creators are using it. It's got this, you know, the live call in feature, some good, okay editing tools. You said you don't love it. We've seen a number of people use it. We're okay with it so far. It seems to be doing the job. What don't you like about it? Because I think there's probably a lot of people who are using it or thinking about using it. It's been a little glitchy for me. I don't know if that's related to maybe my laptop. I have an Asus which is a relatively new laptop that was recommended to me that I got not long after the dismissal, I guess like in March or April. You should do a Patreon to get a MacBook. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to have to do something because it has been very, very inconsistent. I've tried different mics. I've tried different Wi-Fi signals. I've, gosh, run the gamut and unfortunately have not yet found a sweet spot. Now, Sarah, my co-host, she's having no issues at all it's been smooth sailing. So perhaps it's something related to my equipment. We have the same mic now. I literally went and bought, purchased the same exact mic as her. So like I said, I, it's not as, all I'm really upset about is the audio quality for me. That's literally it. And maybe sometimes maybe recordings disappearing when we have a guest on and their audio just like vanishing. That's only happened a couple times. And I hope it doesn't happen to you guys on this one. But <laughs> Those are my only gripes. It's other than that, it, it's been you know a relatively you know well performing platform for us. Interesting. All right, good, good to know. One thing I want to say before before we end, just an idea. Beehive newsletter. I could really see your fifteen minute wake up, a link to that podcast, but also it being put into text form. You know, as you you know, because you can easily do that now. I think you would have a ton of free subscribers show up for that. And then start to have that core subscriber audience metric now that you can use moving forward for advertisers. I think you would load up, talk to me, obviously locally and nationally from Ravens fans, because that's being on top of the inbox with crucial info. It's going to be a great spot for you to be in. Beehive. Yep. Spelled weird. B-E-E-H-I-I-V. We use it for uh, raising steak. Okay. I'll definitely take a look. Appreciate that. Yep. Follow up too with us if you need any like thoughts on it too, because we're really enjoying using it. And we just unfortunately just gave them a free plug for we should probably let 
Mr. Dank now. It's probably the leading email client right now for that sort of thing. Jason, you took like, you pulled that thought about 30 minutes ago that ran through my head briefly. Like that is, you're producing the content the night before. You could, there's a service called Rev, R-E-V, that will transcribe words in the text. I think it's $1.25 a minute. So if you're doing a 15 minute recording the night before, you're talking 20 bucks a day. So, you know, it will add up. There's probably other ways to do this. You could pay a freelancer or just do it yourself or just take the thoughts. And if you have an outline for that show and, you know, that's it. And you can almost automate it. You turn it into, you flip the format of something you're already recording. Now you got people reading it too. And then you could eventually sell that in terms of advertising. I'm wondering if we even need it because we do daily scripts. There you go. Just reformat the script, put in a newsletter. You're already doing the work. Send it out to people. Now, I mean, obviously... Yeah, Beehive is stupid proof too. Right. Maybe like, okay, we, we do a lot of audio. You know, we add a lot of audio in from daily press conferences and, you know, whatever national media is saying about the team. So in that sense, that would be a little time consuming. But there's almost always tr- daily transcripts that are sent out by the Ravens PR staff. So that can be the answer there. But uh, all right. Add it to the list, fellas. Add it to the list. I think Beehive, is it Beehive? I think they have an audio section or feature where you can actually record audio. So you could you could literally send that podcast update in email. For, don't quote me on this. I think the capability exists. But you could actually send that audio update in the email file along with like a text-based version of that. You know, so now you're, you know, you're just distributing it in different ways. But I think they have an ad network. You need enough, you know, thousands of subscribers, but I think they're, they'll actually sell ads on your behalf now too. Okay, cool. There we go. Come back next year. You're going to have like 40 million email subscribers. Follow up with that info. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I can't wait to follow up, guys. I really appreciate you listening. I know I went in a, a number of different directions and, and rambled at times, but uh, hopefully, you know, you, you got the sense that it was, uh, you know, raw and transparent in a sense, emotional. And at the same time, you know, that, that word I used earlier on is something that I keep going back to, and, and that's fulfilling. And I'm chasing fulfillment. I'm chasing flexibility. And um, I'm just chasing my vision, What a vision that's really changed. You know, if you were to talk to me a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, coming out of college, whatever, I never would have told you that this would have been the plan. It was very similar to Kyle's plan. It was going to be, you know, hop on with an NBC affiliate, essentially, in the town that I ended up in, which was DC in this case, you were in Philly. Let me grind. Let me see if I can get to be a broadcaster for, you know, the Wizards or, you know, let me do play by play stuff for, you know, pre and post studio work. And it, um, unfortunately, you know, and hopefully, fortunately, you know, it wasn't the right avenue. And, and so now it's in my own destiny. You know, it's everything is, is in my hands. Everything is, uh, within reach and I'm chasing it every single day. I think that rawness is good. Of all the feedback, if there's a theme in the feedback we've gotten, uh, this includes from people who've you know have hundreds of thousands of followers to people who are thinking about starting something. The feedback has been that confidence and that unending self doubt. So I think that rawness is really good, and I think that'll really resonate with just about everybody listening, us included, by the way. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. Tell people where they can find you one last time. Yeah, if you want to see me go back and forth with trolls, you can find me on my Instagram story at Bobby Baltimore. But uh, no, I'm, I'm pretty much on all social channels, whether it's Bobby Baltimore or my last name, Bobby Trossett, T-R-O-S-S-E-T, waiting for Elon Musk to reinstate me on Twitter after I've been suspended for the majority of football season for a weird copyright flag. I put up a video of a basically just an, an officiating blunder that was made by the NFL during a Bills-Ravens game and called out the officiating crew, not using any language, just like a, a random call out. Next thing I know, I wake up and I'm suspended on Twitter and I've been ever since. So uh, hit me up on Instagram, Facebook, you know, anywhere that you, uh, you're you on social and, and appreciate you guys having me on. It was a lot of fun and best of wishes and, and happy holidays. Yeah, likewise, man. Thanks for coming on. Awesome. Thanks, Bobby. All right. So that was Bobby Trossett, Mr. Bobby Baltimore. He shows up for on our chat here. So that is definitely where he's going with the brand. But Jason, I feel like, um, so impressive job of building his audience, but he has his work cut out for him. This is doable, but it will be challenging. I agree. I don't envy the position he's in. It's, it is tough, but he comes across really energetic, 
very focused, definitely is going to make his, his run at this thing. And normally that's enough, you know, normally it works, you know, to, to get you where you have to be that determination. I think he's also probably in the right market for that too, you know, trying to pull that off, you know, in Philly, Chicago, New York. I mean, that's, that's going to be tough. I feel like the Ravens market is, is a good, a good fit. I mean, he obviously lives there. And I mean, so there's numerous reasons why, but in terms of competition and being, at least having some marketability and brand structure there already. I feel like he's well on his way to, you know, to finding, you know, his true kind of arc of success horizon that I, that seems to be his, uh, what he's looking for. Yeah. It's a big enough market to support an audience that can make money while without being one of those like top five markets that are just so hyper competitive and flooded and watered down at this point. Yeah. I mean, so obviously we know this game well, the local market sports thing, it is difficult, but he, I mean, in nine months, his numbers are impressive. So you have to start there. The fact that he's so talented, and I think you could hear this coming across on our podcast, he's a radio guy. So he can talk, he can hold an audience, he can keep a conversation. He's very good on YouTube. His podcast is good. Like that differentiates. A lot of people are doing that, don't have the classical training, and he's got just enough of it to be good without sounding like, you know, Joey Radiohead when he talks. Like there's there's a thing. If you're in the radio and TV industry for too long, you're branded as that and you have no idea how to go it on your own. He's got just enough of the seasoning without being like, you know, like without having that imprinted on him that he can't do another medium. So I think if you have the audience and enough desire to make it work, you will figure out how to make money. And he's doing that. It's that consistent income that could be tricky. But this is his first full season. He built up the audience and, and the numbers are good. You know, the one challenge he's creating for himself, and we talked about it, is the sports betting thing. And you're entering a space where it's hard to make money to begin with. Sports fans, you need a lot of them to make money. It's not a super targeted audience. Um, you're dealing with advertisers that are like beer and bars and things like that, which aren't willing to spend as much as a, like a B2B vertical. And then to say, hey, the biggest advertising category in there right now is sports betting, and I'm just not going to do it. I certainly commend him and respect the hell out of that. But he, he's adding his, he's willfully adding his own layer of challenge. It's tough. I mean, listen to, I mean, he's, these things move in cycles, but I mean, we, we are moving into, you know, a, a tough economic space for marketing dollars. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the frothiness is gone and people care about the bottom line, you know, and when you're have a business that's dependent upon marketing spend, you know, that, that can be challenging, but as long as you build and move through that, when the cycle does switch over again, you are now primed to be in a great spot. So I, th- I think that will work out just fine for, for Bobby. And he has his eye on creativity. He has the entrepreneurial fire. He's looking to see what he can do, you know, looking for like those pregame, you know, spots. And, uh, you know, that's what you have to do because if you're not doing it, someone else is going to, is going to do it. And so you might as well be the one that leads the charge there and you find your success in that niche before somebody else. And that's what he's, that's exactly what he's doing. And all of our guests, I always look forward to following up with like in a year and seeing how things pan out. But I mean, he's certainly one at the top of the list where, you know, I'm kind of hoping maybe next fall we have him on again and, you know, and hear, you know, the growth story, uh, you know, mid NFL season, 2023. Yeah. It'll be like those shark tank follow-ups only we have no equity. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and look, I think it speaks to the importance of having a really sticky audience. If he could build that allegiance with Ravens fans, you know, and you just make enough to get by even for a year or two. Now when the, you know, the marketing opportunity starts, starts, you know, coming back a little bit better, the advertising opportunity starts coming back, the world normalizes a little bit now, and your audience is bigger. Now you got something that's got, you know, real value associated with it. And this is kind of one of those get through it periods, build your audience, hunker down, get some money to get by. You know, it sounds cliche. It sounds very Gary V-ish, but I think right now more than ever, it's true. A lot of things are going to die right now in media. I mean, you're seeing it there, you know, from CNNs of the world down to local newspapers, it's happening. It's here. If you can get through it and weather the storm, I don't think there's going to be a ton of, especially in sports media standing that is talking about sports. So many, there's been so many layoffs here. You just get through it and make it work. And 
to me, like his maybe more than any interview we've had, I never thought we'd become like a psychology show here. But man, so many people that we've had on now talk about that daily grind and doubt. And I think Bobby probably voiced it as much as anybody. And it's real. It really is real. People who otherwise, you know, on YouTube and podcasts, he is supremely confident. You would never, feels like, you know, he's a sports talker, like someone who just projects confidence and arrogance in a good way. Like, hey, I know my topic. I got a take. I'm coming in hot. And yet, you know, it comes on the podcast and talks about, I don't know if I'm any good at what I do. I don't know if this is going to work. You know, that's a, it's a pretty, uh, pretty interesting dichotomy, which is not unique to him. Yeah. And I think, I don't know if it'll be this, how soon it'll be after the show, but I mean, we're, we're going to have, you know, a raising stake update where there's a lot of messaging along those lines, you know, even, even for the two of us who have found previous success in the raising stake process here of getting things off the ground, there is a lot of stop and go and questioning. And is this right? Is it not right? Are we spending too much? Are we not spending enough? Is this truly going to work? So, you know, it never stops that, 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 that worry, that grind, that feeling, you know, even if you've had previous success, if, if you are ultimately someone who is an overachiever grinding, wants to do it, trying to get to the next goal, welcome to the hellhole that can be entrepreneurial, you know, success in the end. Yeah. Very true. Very true. All right. So I think it's probably a good spot to wrap Bobby. We'll put Bobby at the top of our follow-up list because got a great idea, got a good audience. He's getting traction and he's going to be in a different spot in, in six or nine months from now heading in the next football season. Jason, people enjoy, I guarantee you there's people who enjoyed and found that interesting. What is the best way that they can support the podcast today? The rumor has it. And I, you know, I heard it from two people when I was on the street the other day that you should tell two friends. Well, you know how these things start. One guy tells another guy something, and then he tells two friends, and they tell two friends, and they tell their friends, and so on, and so on, and so on. You know how these things go. There we go. So, uh, yeah, tell two friends if you like this. Tell two friends on the street. Tag two friends. Tag them on social at Monetize Media HQ, all one word, at Jayzernick, J-Z-I-E-R-N-I-C-K, and at Kyle Scott. L, what am I? Kyle, I'm a great marketer. At Kyle Scott L, Kyle Scott CB is my email. At Kyle Scott L on Twitter, tag any or all of those with the two people you told, or just tell us you told two friends, or you can even lie about it, to be honest. And uh, if you want 15 minutes of our time to sort of pick our brains, get us the way in on your business, maybe you could be a guest. That's actually how we found Bobby. He reached out to us, liked the podcast. We had similar backgrounds, wanted to pick our brain. And that was over the summer and said, hey, you would make a good guest once football season and gets going. So um, that's the way That's the way that you know how these things go, as they would say. And uh, if they want to subscribe, like, where's the best place and how should they do that? Well, you should definitely, wherever you're listening to your favorite podcast, give us a five-star rating. So whether that's Spotify, Apple, whatever it is, we appreciate it. Believe me, this is a fun thing, but we definitely need all the help we can to help grow it. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back uh, with another episode next week. 